Thank you very much. Hello. Um, look, let's get it out of the way now. Um, it's actually my 70th birthday today. Stop. <laughs> Don't, that's it. All right. It's been done. It's been said. And I face, this, I face it with complete and utter incredulity. How did this happen? You know, my family will tell you that I've still got a mental age of 11. <coughs> Don't nod. <laughs> But one thing about, you know, you, you kind of reach a certain point in your life when it's right and proper to kind of look back and reflect and to do so with humility and with huge, huge, huge gratitude and again with incredulity at God's hand. And that's what I want to share with you this morning, a reflection about God's hand in my life and after that I'm going to talk about I'm going to introduce the notion of of remembrance remembrance is a good word one definition that I like is to bring into present reality that's more than just recalling or looking back because it implies reflecting in a way that will make our memories or our history more relevant to now, today. Remembering, giving substance, giving them reality, if you like. This morning I want to reflect, <clears throat> to bring into present reality what I believe to be some of the important things that God has taught me over the years. Karl Barth was a famous theologian when he was 80 years of age, he was asked a question. Out of all of the stuff that you've learned as a theologian, is there one thing that stands out as the most significant advancement in your understanding? And he replied, yes, there is, and it is this. Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Isn't that beautiful? Here's a man of God with a brain the size of a planet, and at great age he's come back to something that he learned at his mother's knee. Yes, I know that I have shared that anecdote with you before, <laughs> but the reason why it's relevant for me for today is that it provides an example that what we gain from longevity and experience is not always deeper knowledge, but greater wisdom. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. This is what we read. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you have revealed them to little children. And that's what we are, little children. In our reading, we heard that God has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Those words ascribed to King Solomon, I think, are very true. But perhaps I might add that with maturity, one somehow gains the ability to look back and to recognize God's hand at work in one's own life, but also in the lives of other people. 
as I look back on my whole life, I can see God's guiding hand way back in childhood, even more through the 23-year teenage rebellion. I can recognize God's hand even in areas of my life that I would rather not have public displayed. And even then, God's hand was on me. Praise God. I could share more about that with you, but for now, let me just give you an example. When I was appointed as the senior chaplain at the hospital, feeling humbled and not a little daunted, I was led to look back over my entire formative years and my working life, and I was led to recognize that every job that I had ever had had combined to equip me for the job that I now had to do as a chaplain. And in doing that, God gave me the confidence. He also gave me the words, so get up and do it, which I did, a job that I almost literally was born to do because God had been equipping me all of those years. So what I want to do, first of all, is to encourage you to look back, to bring into present reality the revelation of God in your own life, in your own history, that he has walked with you and he has never let you go. Ever. Do I hear an amen there? Why not? Well, three of you do, yes. Splendid. It's important that you know that because we can't always be riding on a cloud. Sometimes we can be in the depths of despair and we need to be reminded of God's grace to us. His hand that's been upon us all the time. Even in the wilderness years. Even when the bad stuff was happening to you or you were in the midst of bad stuff. He was there. So that's the first point I want to make. Two weeks ago, Adele said in her sermon, we live in a a relational way, a relational way with God and with others. And those are the other two things that I want to talk about this morning. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Anybody who's laughing now was brought up in the brethren. (laughs) That was a chorus we learned as children. I'm not singing it. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Dear friends, I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but please can I ask you a very basic question? Do you know why, as Christians, we're encouraged to develop a habit of quiet time, of daily prayer, of daily Bible reading, personal reflection, meditation, and so on. Do you know why? It's not a rigid rule. I mean, there's unlikely to be a bolt of thunder or a divine clip round the ear if you miss the habit. But it's a discipline. Do you know why, though? Well, most obviously, it's crucially important for us to learn about the life of Jesus 
and the witness of other important people, both before and after Jesus. Those words are contained in Scripture. We need to know. But there's something else. You'll be aware of this, but perhaps we need to be reminded. You see, bit by bit, as we develop the discipline of time with God each day, we will find ourselves more and more aware of God's presence. As time goes by, we find ourselves more in tune with God as a result of that. God helping us, God's influence in the decisions we make gradually transforming us. In James chapter 3, it's referred to as the wisdom that comes from heaven. It's what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 2. He talked about us having the mind of Christ. And it's what Ken Gardner once referred to as having sanctified common sense. That's a wonderful expression. Having sanctified or divine common sense. Not always hearing God speak, but it's more just knowing what God is saying, what is right. And it comes from the Holy Spirit and it becomes a stronger and stronger link with God as we mature. The ultimate example, of course, is Jesus himself, who was always and at all times intensely aware of the eternal realm. He had not only come from it, he never really left it. The whole of his life was lived in the consciousness of that eternal realm because he walked continually with his father. That eternal realm existed in him and he in it. Now that level of closeness that we see and understand that Jesus was in is unattainable for us, but God wants each of us to progress towards it throughout our lives. For some of us who were at New Wine this summer, that same topic was referred to with reference to the writings of a 17th century servant of God called Brother Lawrence, whose reported conversations form a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Incidentally, if you did a Google search, you can actually download it for free. That's not an advertisement, that's just a recommendation. Let me quote from that book. In order to form a habit of conversing with God continually and referring all we do to him, we must at first seek him with some diligence. But after a little care, we shall find his love inwardly exciting us to do it without any difficulty. Isn't that lovely? The practice of the presence of God does not require us to become reclusive monks or sit in meditation all the time. For all of us, the practice of the presence of God is about an internal dialogue in which all that we do in our lives is done as part of an ongoing conversation with God. And in participating in that two-way conversation, even if it's intermittent, even if it's incomplete because we are so easily distracted, it will not be a surprise that God will instill in us that 
divine common sense, that he will direct our thoughts and actions, that he will inform our opinions and show us how to pray and who to pray for, and so much more. So that first relationship to emphasize is our individual relationship with God. The second is this, it's our relationship with each other. When Jesus was asked what the two most important commandments were, what did he say? Love God, love one another. Do you, do we recognize the importance of us being here together? Do we? God brought us here. He did not intend for us to be believers in isolation. One writer has said, the New Testament teaches nothing about solitary Christianity. The Christian faith is not simply about me and God or me and Jesus, even though I may be practicing the presence of God. It is true that the basis of our being here together is that we've individually accepted the Lord Jesus as our own personal Savior and Lord. But each of us is here because we have been called here to be together. I I rely upon you in my Christian life. I'm going to say that again. I rely upon you in my Christian life. I need you. And you need me. Of course I need God and his empowering presence, but I rely upon you because in putting me here, he's given you to me, and whether you like it or not, you're stuck with me too. You are part of my life, and I am part of yours, all of you. We're here so that we can help each other and support each other. We can bless each other, remind each other when we're down, uphold each other when we're having a difficult time. Incidentally, that does not mean that I'm excluding people who feel called to go to St. John's or who are considering it. Because we go where God sends us to be part of a different family but still part of God's family. Now, I just spoke a short time ago about seeing God at work in my life. It's just as encouraging and worthy of praise to see God at work in your lives too. And it's a blessing to be able to have shared in some of those stories, some of the observations, to hear and to Hear that you are bearing testimony and sharing how God has helped you and blessed you. That's so uplifting for all of us. Do you agree with that? Please recognize it as being something very, very important. We should all look for ways of sharing those experiences and those reflections. The first-hand account, the testimony... 
We've got to find a way of sharing those testimonies in church, in home group, over coffee, in conversation with friends. Why? Because recounting those blessings brings glory to God and it brings encouragement at a time when we need it. I belong to Christ and thus to his community. And as a community, we belong to God. And it is right for us to assume that what we bring as individuals, that evidence of the Holy Spirit in us, these those attitudes of life and thought that characterize us as God's people will also contribute to the life and activity of the church as a whole so that together we can reflect what the Holy Spirit is doing in each of us individually. We are one. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit, we were all... Yeah? Familiar words? That's what it means. That's what we've got to recognize. Together, we can be more effective and purposeful and purposefully reflect the attitudes and life that characterize God's people. But there's more than that as well. We, together, as spirit-filled, committed Christians both supplement and complement each other. And we, as a whole, are more important and meaningful and effective than if we stand together as individuals. Now, I'm not a mathematician, nor a financier. But to me, the easiest way way that I can put it is this. When talking about us and us being together, it's as if, One plus one plus one plus one, 200 times, does not add up to 200. It adds up to 2,000. That's the importance of us being together. Jesus said to his disciples that they should love one another, that their love for each other would be a hallmark, a unique identification of of them being his disciples. But loving one another is a means to an end, not an end in itself. The end, the purpose, is our corporate service to God and everything that that implies. Loving one another is a means of achieving that. If I love you and you love me, then I join with you and we are truly united as one. If we do not love each other, even if we've made peace and developed a degree of tolerance, well, at best, that's us standing as a group of individuals. And the potency of our service to God is lessened. That's why we're called to love one another. United we stand, divided we fall. United we're more important, we're more powerful, we're more potent. If you think about it, if you reflect upon it, the whole of the Bible is teaching that very thing. So, 
My question to you this morning is, are we doing all that we can to enhance and to strengthen our togetherness, our collectiveness, our united identity, our corporate life in the service of Jesus? Are we doing all that we can? I'm not saying this to get at you. I'm not saying this because I think we're not. I'm asking you the question so that you can ask yourself. Are we, each of us, contributing all that we can to love and to care for each other? We love others and we love one another, not with our own love, because that's imperfect and patchy. We love each other with love that God has shown us and that God has filled us with. It's love that he will also replenish and multiply so we never run out. Ever. Can you think of yourself as... Well, you, you can think for yourselves of those among us who consistently serve God by loving and serving us in all sorts of ways. That is a wonderful thing to recognize, and I commend it to you. And on behalf of the whole of us, I want to say thank you for loving us enough to serve us, to serve God by serving us. All of us, need to ask if there is an area of church life or service that needs our support. And don't worry if you've not done that particular thing before, because God will be with you. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart yet No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We can get a glimpse and we can give thanks to God with the certain knowledge that he walks with us. Dear friends, I want to leave the areas that I've been covered for you to reflect upon because it's now time for us to actually focus specifically upon the issue of remembrance, which is what today is about. While we get a glimpse, as we thought about that verse, those verses again, while we get a glimpse of what they mean, it is true that the world at large seems not to be able to share that wisdom. That God is with us from beginning to end. Because to them God is remote and distant. And the consequence of that thinking is before us this weekend. Yesterday and today. Remembrance Sunday is a time when we reflect, when we bring into present reality, when we remember give substance to the memory. Those who have given their lives in war and for the families and for the whole nation who gave lives of men and women either in armed conflict or through the effects of war. I speak 
as a retired member of the Army Medical Services. And I know firsthand how big an issue this is and the breadth of the suffering and the loss down through the years. Because for me, I believe we must also, con we must also include not only those who were killed, but also the families left behind, those who were injured, and those who carry or carried the scars of body and mind for the remainder of their lives. When we were praying before the service, I was reflecting on the fact that there was a young woman on the Festival of Remembrance last night who held up a picture of her great-great-uncle who died in the First War. And her family still remember him. He is part of their story. And she, in her own way, brought into present reality the grief that she feels and the suffering that her family feel. Do you know what? I, I, love, I love modern technology. I do. I just love it. I look at modern science and I look at modern medicine and I look at modern technology and modern innovation and modern invention and, and the amazing discoveries that we've got and, and the promises for the future. And I'm just fascinated. Aren't you? Isn't it brilliant, the stuff we can do? Research and development makes our lives a whole lot different from anything in history. And every day there are new inventions and gadgets that we never thought possible even just two decades ago. Doesn't it, doesn't it just make you proud? Doesn't it, doesn't it make you feel glad that you're alive today? But hold on a minute. There are children who are malnourished in this country and in this town malnourished. Our politicians, this is not a political statement, it's just a personal observation. Our politicians are so wrapped up with the little issues like staying in power and keeping the others out of power that the big stuff seems to get lost in spin and gloss and the promise for the future. There are huge problems facing this world. There are wars raging, there's terrorism, there's famine, and a small group of people own, mo um, own most of the wealth. There are countries... There are countries, whole countries, that are splintering over ethnic or historical division lines. And the big issues like children dying and human trafficking and substance abuse and global warming, it feels as if they are becoming too big to resolve. Are you still glad to be alive today? Brothers and sisters in Christ, if this is the best that humanity can do after all that history has taught us, if this is our finest hour, 
then I need to say, thank God there's a God. Thank God there's a God. It is right that we should pause this morning, along with the rest of the nation, and to remember, to bring into present and stark reality all that has been lost through war. It is right that we should treat this time with respect and solemnity. I'm not personally comfortable that we should view it as a sort of recurrent funeral service. Because I want to suggest to you that instead we should view it as a celebration. A celebration that if this is the best that mankind can do, then thank you, Lord, that you're here. Thank you, Lord, that you're there. Thank you, Lord, that this is your world. Thank you that you are a God. It's a celebration of God. It's a celebration that our God reigns. Even if we cannot see from beginning to end what God is doing, remember the reading? So let's do all that we can together to bring God into our present reality, into our collective reality and into our nation's present reality too. What can we do? What can you do? We had a men's breakfast yesterday morning. Thank you, guys. Brilliant. I didn't eat for the rest of the day. It was... Okay, so I might have had a slice of pizza later, but I just... The speaker was Stuart Tanter who is a recently retired mayor for Medway. And he challenged us. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Why can't we as Christians stand up and be counted and actually get involved in every area of life? God's witness outside. You are now entering a place of worship. That's on the way out. My grandson asked if that was on the wrong side of the door. Reasonable thought. The answer is no. May I say a prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to reflect this morning, not just reflect upon what's gone before for me, but for us. But we don't want to look backwards, Lord, except to give you praise and to recognize your hand in order to give us reassurance that we can look forward with confidence. Heavenly Father, we pray for our country and for our world. We recognize you without question that you are God. And we thank you for that. Heavenly Father, prompt us. Even at great age, (laughs) prompt us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.